Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and I am having trouble getting into my studio, so um, bear with me as I try to figure out how to make this work. And hopefully it will not take long. Um, in the meantime, I am going to... Oh, I'm here. Went on on another computer. Um, so my guest today is Beth Liebling. This is going to be a really fun show, and I am super excited to bring her to you. Um, just hang on one second while I get organized here because everything was just messed up like crazy. Um, Beth is going to be on the show. She's going to be talking about how to help couples and singles find love and passion in their relationships. And she's going to be a lot of fun. I am super excited to have her on the show today. And um, as you all know, I am a dating and love coach. And what I really love to do is help women find their power. Um, So many women are disempowered in life and in love, and when you know that you're a woman of value, you you attract better things into your life, like even toe-curling sex, which we're going to talk about today. So um, every week I bring you a tip on how to become that woman of value, and this week's tip is number five, which is create a life that energizes you and fills you up. After my divorce, I created that life, and I know that Beth has too. And um, when you find something you're passionate about, it is a game changer. So if you are not living that life, if you are living a life of sacrifice where you're bending yourself into a pretzel, it is time to change all that. Take one step this week to do something that you're passionate about, whatever it is, and get out of your rut um also if you are not yet a member of my private facebook group your last first date i would love you to join us you'll all you have to do is go to facebook.com and join your last first date this is a place for women over 40 who are single or in a relationship who are looking for positive support it is uh, it's a place where you can feel safe with a warm wonderful community And um, let me introduce our special guest today. Beth Liebling is many things. She used to be a family lawyer. She's the host of radio show podcast Love and Laughter with Beth. And she's the author of a new book called Love and Laughter, Sexy, Meaningful, Fun for Everyone. She's the mother of five children. She's a grandmother to one. And she is the founder of Darling Way, which is a sexy luxury boutique in the historic Houston Heights. So join me now for episode number 295, Love and Laughter, Sexy Fun for Everyone with Beth Liebling. Beth, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to talk with you. I I think you and I share a passion that... uh, for all things relational, that is uh, quite infectious, and I I appreciate your enthusiasm so much. It it fuels my own. So uh, lovely to be here. Well, thanks. I've been reading your book every night, and and it, it feels a little like 
Um, I think when I was a teenager and I discovered our bodies ourselves and saw what a vagina looked like for the first time, like people's drawings and, you know, that people were talking about masturbation and all kinds of stuff that people don't talk about very often. And and it, it's almost like in our bodies ourselves for adults who... Um, I don't know who like who who haven't talked a lot about sex or who want to explore more about sex. How would you describe your book? Oh well, I, first of all, thank you so much. I think that I I love that book, Our Bodies Ourselves, and that's one of the nicest compliments I've gotten. So uh, <laughs> I I do appreciate that, and and I think that um, if I describe my book, one man gave me a great. Um, review telling me that for him it was like a, a sex language translator that it helped him by reading it to talk to his wife about sex in a way that she actually understood and he didn't understand the differences between how he saw sex and she saw sex and you know, that's the thing we use this word sex and we all mean something different by it and um, so I try to help break that up and to recognize and tease out what part of it is our is our body? What part of it is our is our mental? What part of it is our upbringing and and social limitations, if you will? And and really, my goal is to help people get comfortable, um, just like you talk about women finding their 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 value in being themselves. I try to get people to to recognize the value of their sensual sexy, romantic souls and to be comfortable with all of those things despite um, misconceptions or limitations that we may have grown up with thinking that only certain things are okay and certain things are are so um, verboten that that we just shouldn't even think about that or feel bad that we think um, or that maybe something turns us on that other people think is a little bit unique or different. Mm. And uh, I, I think when we are able to hold them out to understand them, to think about it, um, that we all do better. And that's why my book starts kind of at the very beginning with our bodies and uh, and works its way out. I think when we love ourselves, then we can love other people, if we so choose. But uh, until mm-hmm. we love ourselves, we're not doing much good for any of us. And that's so true. Yeah. And that's really my message, too. Um, <laughs> and I love what that man yeah. said about the sex language translator. I, I think we all need to translate sex for each other and I think there there's so much not spoken um, mm-hmm. and there's so much shame around our bodies uh, last night I was doing my group coaching and I have a small intimate group that I'm working with and this week we were talking about limiting beliefs and body stuff came up you know I, I don't feel I'm attractive mm-hmm. enough and and even though they know they are like men have always said to them you're attractive not one man has ever criticized their body but it's so ingrained, and usually from a parent who has said to us, "Well, you, you know, you'd look cuter if you lost ten pounds, and you know, let me take you to this mm-hmm. diet place and make you feel total body shame." Um, so it's it starts there, and then it perpetuates because we make it worse, and as we get older, so it's important to mm-hmm. to love our bodies and to be able to be comfortable talking about stuff and. And also the self-compassion piece, which you talk about a lot, and just being able to laugh, like things happen during sex, and you know, and being able to to, to laugh about mm-hmm. it is so so important. So I love love that part. 
Well, thank you. And yeah, I, I think that in some ways, um, you know, anger is always easier. Anger and hatred are always easier than understanding and, um, and enlightenment. So in some ways, I think that we dislike our bodies and we are hard on our bodies in part because we're so afraid of embracing the pleasure that they actually can bring. And that when we allow ourselves to really to savor the different sensations that can come, um, I say even from if you take a bubble bath and you just sit and luxuriate, if you eat a piece of chocolate and really truly savor a gooey men, you know, middle and, um, and, and allow yourself to just tingle at the joy of all these different textures and, and, and softnesses and warmths and um, levels of sensation. When we do that, we're less inclined to hate our bodies because we're recognizing and appreciate the joy that they bring us. But if we're afraid of the joy they bring us, then it's easier to just hate on our bodies and think, okay, well, we're not going to have that because our bodies are imperfect. They're, you know, the 10 pounds you say here or the curves here or the the lumps and bumps that I didn't used to have. Um, And so perhaps in some ways we hide behind that instead of really facing honestly what they are designed to do, which is to get us places, to move us, to to feel things, to bring us closer to others, to um, put us in touch with our emotional selves, et cetera. So I, um, I encourage people to, to think about that. And even if it's starting by looking in the mirror and, um, and finding one part of ourselves that we're okay with that uh, and, and calling ourselves out on it, like, Hey, your eyes look really good today, or that is a really pretty green in, in your eyes, and, and those eyes can light up a room when you smile, you know, um, things like that. And I laugh because I, I learned this trick actually from my exterminator, and oh. <laughs> he's just this wonderful man. Um, and he told me when he got divorced, he felt so put upon and so miserable that he had to start basically treating himself well. He couldn't be around others well. So he had to start treating himself. And and he told me this trick. He said, I would just say, hey, Bob, because that was his name. You know, you've worked so hard today. You deserve an ice cream. And hey, Bob, you're looking good today. Or hey, Bob, you did a good job. And I say, because I I own my stuff, right? I also was divorced after 22 years of marriage, and and it was just brutal. Um, I couldn't look in the mirror and really say nice things to myself as Beth. I would tease myself. I would look in the mirror, and I would say, hey, Bob you look really good today. <laughs> I totally <laughs> laugh at myself because, but that's what it took. That was a good start for me to be able just to look in the mirror at myself. Cause I, I didn't do that. I felt so hideously ugly. I couldn't believe it. And um, so whatever we can do just to push ourselves. And if we can just laugh at where we are and, and know that when we can laugh at ourselves, we're not stuck there anymore. Being able to laugh is the first part of being able to move forward. And mm. uh so, yeah, laughter so is so important. I love that. Hey, Bob, you look good today. <laughs> I know, right? It really does. And on a really bad day, that's still what I tell myself because it does. It puts a smile on my face and makes me just realize it's going to be okay somehow. And, um, yeah, and then, oh, if I can tell, I'll tell you a really silly story because, again, I think the more we share our love stories, right, the more it's okay mm-hmm. to have love stories. So I went out on a date after being separated, I don't know, maybe a less than a year, maybe about a year. And um, 
it was the first time I liked this guy. We'd been out several times. I decided I was going to sleep with him. We go back to his apartment. Um, he's, he's just moved in someplace. He's got all these, you know, new furniture, new sheets, everything. I, um, we have sex. We, I spend the night. In the middle of the night, I get my period. I am 45, 46 years old or something. I've now gotten my period all over his brand new sheets, his brand new bed. I am beyond mortified. And I, I looked at him. And I laughed so hard. I was so embarrassed. I said, if I was 20-something years old, I would have ran out this door before you opened your eyes, and you would never have seen or heard from me again. I would have been that mortified, right? And instead, on the next date, I brought him a housewarming gift, and I brought him red sheets. And <laughs> that, that, that's how I knew. I had grown up a little bit, and I was I was learning to be okay with all of my imperfections and um and that was it. And we laughed about it. And still years later, it's one of my, it's, it's one of my, the turning points in my life where I knew, okay, I could, I can grow up and I can handle this even when it gets literally messy. <laughs> no, that's a great story. I actually bought my son red sheets, so he, he'll be prepared the next time. <laughs> that's not why I bought him, but, <laughs> but I'll tell him. Um, you never know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Um, I just think laughter and being able to laugh at yourself and and it's just such an important thing. And laughing at the same thing as a partner is is really about your way that you look at the world. I mean, it really is how you see the world. So if you're both laughing at the mm-hmm. same things, um, that's an important thing. Um, if you could take us back to how your store came about, you know, just a little bit about your process, because I know you, you were helping people, you know, with divorce. I mean, you were a divorce lawyer, and you always you talk in your book about wanting people to have better sex lives way back then. Yeah. Um, so, to, so give us a little background as to who you were before and after your divorce. <laughs> yeah, um, I was really funny I, I was so different on the outside and on the inside I was the same um I got married at 21 I was knocked up um went on we were married for 22 years we had five kids and I we had boring married sex and I said but I loved sex I, I knew that but but there was no place to go to really uplift us and, and to help us find new and creative and fun things to do so you close the bedroom door you do the same three things you knew before and after however many times, right, it just can't help but getting a little bit boring. Um, but when I was a divorce lawyer, I saw a lot of this. And I, I said I never got anybody divorced if they were having good sex together, right? A lot of people have good sex outside their marriages, and they would get divorced. And then when I got divorced myself and I wanted to figure out how to date again, how to have fun, sexy, romantic relationships um there was no place to go that um for particularly a middle-aged woman to go and talk about this stuff and and ask about lubes and to find lingerie that fit a mature figure not just a a 20 something year old um stick and so darling way was the shop in my head that i wanted to go shop at but it didn't exist and so I decided, well, it took me four years. I kept thinking about it and thinking, this is a great idea. We need it. We need it. But it took me four years to build up my courage to start it because I had stopped practicing law because I I don't like to fight. I never did. And I wanted to make things better for people. But it just, divorce just 
sucks even when it's the right thing. And, and so I, it dragged me down. So um, I wasn't practicing. And, and then I just, uh, Darling Wayne came to me and I just couldn't let go. I couldn't think of anything else. And I knew I loved, I've always loved talking about sex and relationships and intimacy. And um, I've always coached people with their relationships. But uh, to be able to do in, um, in my shop, which is this cute little cottage in a residential historic area of Houston, that um, it just feels good. And the warmth in this little cottage, I say she's, the cottage is totally imperfect, just like a mature woman's body. Um, she's got holes in the floor and wrinkles and things aren't straight and everything. But she's so full of love. So people come in there and they may spend two to three hours. We have couples come in there. Um, people play dress up. We talk. We don't whisper. I have everything from fun, flirty, frisky, and fetish. And I tell people, I don't care what kind of romance you want to have in your life. I just want you to have more of it. I want to help give you ideas for different things to do. So I talk about a romantic show and that people should be able to create whatever kind of show they want, whether it's a you know, um, whether it's lighting a candle and doing a massage, whether it's um, involving handcuffs and blindfolds or, or floggers or BDSM, Fifty Shades of Grey kind of stuff. Um, I don't really care. But every we should be able to see different shows in our bedroom just like we see different shows on our TV set. And if they ever get bored, I tell them just come to Darling Way and we'll give you 12 more ideas, right? There's never a shortage. So um, nobody should ever settle for boring sex again. Um, but then we also need ideas for what to do because I didn't know there were different things. I said I could have gone to a store and bought a vibrator years ago. I would have gone home and had no idea what to do with it. And um, that's what we do at Darling Ways. We talk. And that's what my book is about. It's not just that, okay, put tab A and tab B. It's how do you do it? How do you set up the context? What do things mean? Um, And uh, sometimes men sort of scoff at the idea of romance. But romance is, is like the lights go down in the theater and, and things start to happen and, and your heart beats a little faster and you grin a little bit and the sparkle in your eyes and stuff. So romance is for everybody. You can call it what you want to, but it's that little mystery and excitement that you don't quite know what's coming next. That's what inspires passion. And without uh-huh. it, we lose it. It becomes, um, sex becomes routine and predictable and that too comfortable. And that's when yep. that's, the, the end of passion. So there's a fine line between being secure and comfortable in your relationship and still knowing that your sex life is going to be a little bit different. So uh, yeah, that's the sweet spot, yeah. right? That's that's what we hope right. for. And uh, I just saw a great video about the the hormones that get released. Um, it was it was a Valentine's Day song written by um, an NPR guy who talks about the science of everything, and so it was. Uh-huh. It was like a love song, but using an oxytocin and my devotion, and you know, it was just like. Um, oh, but it really explains like when the serotonin starts to dra- drop and the you know dopamine, that you need to go do something new. I mean, he, you know, that's what they were talking about. Like, go spark up your your romance so that you bring those chemicals back in because it doesn't just happen. I mean, I have a daughter no. who's been married six or seven years, something like that, and they have two babies. You know, one is three years old and one's just a year. Their lives are nuts. You know, they've got yeah. to create, a, you know, a life for themselves. They they are two ships passing in the night unless they make the effort to, to have something happen. And and we had a talk about that the other day. 
because um, it's yeah. important. So yeah, I I've right. always talked to my kids about sex and romance, and they they look at me like I'm crazy half the time. So I'm totally with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we have to we have my, to be comfortable with too. these things. Yeah, but but we do. And but the problem is, I have um, the area where my shop is. We're surrounded by a bunch of thirty somethings, and we've got young kids, and. A lot of them will say, oh, yeah, we have a date night, you know, maybe once every two weeks or something like that. But I ask them, so what do you do on your date night? Well, you know, the babysitter comes over and they go out and they go for dinner or a movie. Mm-hmm. And then they go home and they go back into right. their bedroom and then they try to have sex, right? But, again, they're trying to – they haven't done anything to, to tease. And so the, the sex really is tab A into tab B and here you go, whoop de whoop and go to sleep. <laughs> and neither of them actually starts looking forward to that. And so, and so I talk to them about, first of all, I tell men, for a date night really to be successful, you need to give your woman like two to three hours head start. So you take over the kids or you have a babysitter take over the kids and she needs time to either go for a run or watch a movie or read a book or take a bath, whatever it is that lets her decompress without worrying. And I said after two or three hours of doing her own thing, then she's kind of ready to say, okay, I'm kind of ready to get dressed now. I want to look good. Now I want to go out. Now I'm ready for some company. And then ring the doorbell. Don't, don't get ready for the date night, standing next to each other and brushing your teeth and everything like that. Go let her get all ready. And you open, you know, when she opens the door for you, give her a flower, give her a piece of chocolate, whatever it is that she likes. Um, and you have the pleasure of seeing her as a woman again, all dressed in whatever it is that makes her feel good with her hair done and whatever makeup, you know, a lot or a little, I don't care what the version is, whether it's in high heels or not. And you look at her and you let that, that excitement show in your eyes and you feed it to her and you let her know that she's appreciated, that her efforts, that she is a woman, not just a mother, not just a wife. And then you're going out and suddenly you're, you're on that date again not just as the mom and dad and it can really change things and then you know I'll help them out with little card games that they can take with them on dates to start asking questions about what turns you on kissing in a park or kissing in a dark movie theater you know where where's your favorite place for him to touch you whatever kinds of questions there are but it's that mind game that helps sort of start us and get us into a date mode not just a okay we're just ignoring life and we're being um sort of unwinding mode, right? There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, and we need to be know, cognizant. You just brought me back to a time in my marriage when my husband decided to surprise me with a babysitter. I was the mom of three young kids at the time, and I was still nursing a baby. So babysitter shows up at the door, and he says, okay, we're leaving. <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> we're going, we're going <laughs> out. And I was like, what? I uh what I am didn't nurse the baby the kids aren't fed I haven't that no this isn't working for me I was so thrown off right. and he was so right. insulted yeah he didn't get it and I kept saying to him I am so glad you made a date and thank you for surprising me that's so sweet he was going to take me to the city to go see a Broadway show whatever it was I needed preparation yeah. time and I said in the future all you need to do is say I have a surprise for you. I'm getting a babysitter. I want you to be ready by 7. You know, that would have worked for me. But just to have her show up at the door it threw me off so completely that I was I was like crazed. Right. So it took right. us a while to have him like really get that I wasn't rejecting him. 
just the fact that he had done this in this way. Um, but I love that exactly. idea of, of like having us date again. You know, it's it's um, so important to feel beautiful, to feel wanted, valued, mm-hmm. um, you know, and prepare, prepare. M- romance right. happens not, you know, by accident. It happens with planning and and teasing and, yeah. And, yeah. Right. And people think that they get married and say, oh, I shouldn't have to plan for sex. But, but when you're dating, we plan for sex. We plan for dates. We get ready for them. We look forward to them. We tease uh-huh. each other about them. And so I'm not quite sure why this idea that that goes away, right? And, and I think it's, a, it, it's just wrong. And, again, we just have to shift people's perceptions um, and expectations to make them realize that it's valuable, it's worthwhile, and it's fun. It's not a chore when it's fun. It just makes it more exciting. And just like, you know, masturbation, I say masturbation for anybody can get you to an orgasm, but it's not the same as being with a partner. But being with a partner that you're so comfortable with that it really feels like masturbation, right, that's not cool. So we need we need to put a little bit of distance so that, each partner is their individual self and that getting together, meeting that person sort of on this, this bridge off our own personal little island, if you will, that is our own self, um, that's where the excitement happens, where there's a little bit of unexpected and surprise waiting and we don't ever fully know them. And, uh, mm. and that's where sharing fantasies can be and, and sharing desires and and things and those things change as we get older. So there shouldn't ever run. We should never run out of things to talk about and to um, unveil about ourselves um, mm-hmm. as we come across. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I love it. Uh, I, I took a I took a pole dancing class years ago, and oh, fun. <laughs> one of the things I loved about it was first of all the fantasy piece because as as people got better at pole dancing, they would come in costume and they would really have a great time. But I sat with each of the instructors afterwards, and we were asking questions because it was an introductory class. And I said, what do you get out of it? Like, why did you become a a pole dancing instructor? And they said, both of them said, we both joined to please our partner. But in the end, this gives us so much more than than anything I ever thought. You know, and so between just the body love, you know, really loving your body, letting mm-hmm. go, um, embracing the fantasy. There's so many aspects to it, and so many people think, oh, that's just like what hookers do. And it, it's not. You know, I even um, mm-hmm. I remember talking to my rabbi about it. <laughs> it's like every girl should go pole dancing, and he's like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. I, so what's, what's the I, overall I, message that you would like our listeners to take away from this conversation? Well, if I could give them one thought is that I encourage people when it comes to romance and, and sexy fun, I think everybody should be playing at their edge. Okay. And by that, I mean, and again, whether you're solo or you're partnered, that, um, that playing at our edge is just like if we go to an amusement park, if we ride the kiddie rides, we're bored. If we ride the roller coaster that makes us throw up afterwards, that's not good. But somewhere in the middle are these rides that make our, again, that our heart beat a little bit, make us 
smile a little bit, maybe make us scream or throw up our hands just a little bit, but we know we're going to be safe at the end. That little edge, that, that edgy play when it comes to romance and, and sexy fun is where that's passion. And it can be kinky. For some people, it could be, like I say, going outside and kissing in public. Um, for some people, it could be holding hands outside. Some people, it could be, you know what, I've always wanted to be spanked, and I really want to just try that now. So wherever that edge for you is, not based on anybody else, but for you and for your relationship with yourself or your partner, that's, to me, the goal is, is to play at that edge where you're safe, but you can still see where you could fall off, and that's enough to make your heart beat a little faster. And if you do that, I think you'll be amazed how much pleasure and excitement and, you know, sex and orgasm and relationships, they they make us look younger. They make us, you know, our skin better. They make our health better. They're they're so important to every single part of our lives that they matter and don't ever dismiss them. It's just it's just too important. And uh, so that's that's what I would want people to walk away with. And then how they get there and everything. That's kind of what my. My shop, Darling Way, is about. That's what the book, Love and Laughter, Sexy, Meaningful, Fun for Everyone is about. That's what your podcast, Helping People Date Again, right? All of these things are geared towards. Let's help you get to that point where it's just, it's fun and it's exciting and and you are literally living your life, not just getting through your life, but living your life. And, uh, yeah. Love it. (laughs) It's such a great message (laughs) and so important. Um, you know, no matter what you're doing, there could be more. There could be more excitement. There could be more. And I love that you bring in the safety fact, too, because I, I think that a lot of people feel unsafe. And it's not yeah. you're not asking them to jump off a ledge. You're saying mm-hmm. do what feels scary to you, but still, you know, you're not going so far off that you're going to be freaking out and not comfortable. And I think we all have our safety, and we all can push past our safety, and that's that's where the excitement happens, right outside that comfort zone. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Beth, this is so much fun. I, I knew this was going to be a great show, and I would love to talk to you longer. This is just so much great information. I I would love to you, for you to share how people can find your book and find you. Oh, thank you. Uh, DarlingWay.com is the first easy place to start and that's d-a-r-l-i-n-g-w-a-y.com and um, just FYI my last name is Liebling which means darling a loved one in German so that ah, that's how me. it came about yeah that's it right <laughs> so, so darlingway.com um, they can also find the ebook version on love and laughter uh, sexy meaningful fun for everyone can be found on Amazon if they want um and you can just search my name, Beth Liebling, or the name of the book and find it. So uh, that's it. And then my podcast is Love and Laughter with Beth, and they can um, they can find that online too. So that's, uh, All right. this has well, been such a pleasure, Sandy. I think you and I could talk for hours. I hope we will I know. do more. <laughs> and um, there's always, again, there's always more that nobody should ever be bored. And I tell them, just reach out. Like I said, I'll give you 12 ideas, and you can choose a few and keep going. But uh, But never settle for boring again. Never settle for boring again. Fantastic way to end the show. Thank you, Beth, and best of luck to you. Keep inspiring people to have more passion, more romance, more fun. Thank you. You do the same. I'll talk to you soon, and thanks for having okay. me today. Okay. Okay. And thanks, everybody, for listening today, and I hope you get to go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye.